0: This is the Shoot Once podcast. I'm Frank Walker. Welcome to the Shoot Once podcast. Uh, I'm a proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network, and it's been a week of we had some big hockey news early in the week, and uh, and then the world went. 2020 has been a year, hasn't it? My goodness. So we're going to start with all the hockey stuff. Um And and I mean, obviously we're not going to do a deep dive on everything going on in the rest of the world. But it it has led to some interesting developments that are in the hockey community. So I feel that I I do need to touch on that for a minute. But uh, let's jump to the real hockey news of the week as far as things that actually uh, will affect what happens on the ice, at least in the short-term future here. So the players approved the return-to-play format. Uh, The NHLPA approves the 2014 return to play format. We discussed it in depth on last week's episode. Um, Essentially, it's the whole premise of the top four teams in each conference will get a buy from the play-in round. Then, teams five through twelve in each conference will have, uh, based on kind of seating, five versus twelve, six versus eleven, seven versus ten, eight versus nine, will then. Play a uh, a five game series, uh, the winner of which will then go on to the true sixteen playoffs, uh, or sixteen team playoffs. Now, parts of this are not finalized yet. Uh, The biggest thing right now seems to be that the league wants this set up in a bracket format, so they can. And I my guess is that's for gambling purposes and and for gaming purposes. Uh, The players. Want this to recede, and you can see why. Uh, as, as for instance, say the Bruins are the number one team, uh, this number one seed in the East. In the bracket the NHL put out, the May, it, the, the the winner of the Maple Leafs Blue Jackets playing series would play the Bruins. Now that could give you a team who finished the season. And the thing is, the Maple Leafs and the Blue Jackets are. Finish the season eighth and ninth. Well, say the Maple Leafs win that series. Then say in the Islanders- Panthers series the Panthers beat the Islanders. Well, then you would have the number one seed playing a team that had finished tenth in the regular season, and the number or the number two seed playing the number ten team, and the number one seed playing the number eight team. So you can see why some teams kind of want that to reseed. Uh, I mean, theoretically, even though the Blue Jackets are ninth. If the whole play-in round goes upsets, the Blue Jackets could be the highest remaining seed of that play-in round. I mean, if, if all if all these series were upsets, which this is hockey. Hockey's a random sport. That could definitely happen. But if all of these first-round playing games, the lower seed wins, you would actually have an inverse relationship between the how teams finish in those top four rankings versus the teams they were playing. You'd have the fourth-place team playing the team that finished the worst in the regular season, and, and so on up. The third place that would be getting the second. So, it, I mean, you can see where that would get crazy. So, I do get that. Um, something that surprised me, and I think you can actually still go watch on YouTube, the whole announcement Gary Bettman did when this came out. Something that did surprise me, they did say those top four teams, while the play-in round is happening, will have a round-robin against each other. So, they'll still play three games against each other. Now that doesn't match the potential five games that the play-in rounds will be. And the play-in rounds, you can expect to be very intense because they will essentially be in all-but-name play or playoff games. I mean, those teams know you have to win three to get in the playoffs, so you're going to expect them to go hard. A concern from those top four teams was that we don't want to come in after just playing what essentially would be exhibition round robins against a team that played a playoff series. We will not be up for the series in the same way. And you can see why. Uh, I mean, Tampa kind of, that's part of their explanation for what happened last year against them against the Blue Jackets, is that they had locked up that number one seed so early that they could kind of were on kind of cruise control, whereas the Blue Jackets were fighting for their playoff lives until the last couple games of the season. So they said, well, the Blue Jackets have been playing playoff hockey for three or four weeks, and we jump in and the Blue Jackets are just ready for us. And those top four teams don't want that. So the fix that seems to be in right now for that is that those top four teams will play a round Robin and whoever gets the most points in those three games will be the number one seed. And the second one will be number two and the third one will be number three. And, and then the tiebreaker will be regular season points percentage. And that's a huge change because you could very easily see the Bruins going from being the number one seed to being four or the or the capitals jumping to third or first. I mean it, that would give those especially if you're going to reseed in the first round that gives those round robin games some stakes. Um, you have something you're playing for. You're playing for that first overall seed to try and get who would be the lowest overall seed coming out of the play-in rounds. So I can see why both reseeding and these play-in games are both a good idea. So I would be for that. I, I think those are both decent ideas, making the best of a bad situation. Now, on last week's show, I talked pretty extensively about how if I had my way, what you would do is all of these teams would just play round-robin against each other. And then every team, I think the Canadians would even get to 82 games. I think the lowest anyone would be at is 79 games. And then you do a points percentage to determine who gets in when you do it and everyone's been that, you know, had that many games played, I I think that's a much fairer way to go about doing it. So that's how I would recommend doing it. But they're not doing that, so we'll jump into what's going to happen. Now, uh, some other things that happened were, if you know fans of certain teams, and the team that seems to be doing the most right now is Red Wings fans, from what I can tell, just whining about the, the, the draft lottery. So the draft lottery plan... Is needlessly complicated. That I will say. Essentially how the draft lottery is going to go. It will still... Because the the way the NHL is looking at this. And this is what you have to remember. Is that they're looking at the play-in rounds. As essentially those five game series. As a stand-in. For the remainder of the regular season. They don't... For official purposes. That's not playoff hockey. And thus... The teams that get to that round of 16 who get out of the play-in round, the teams who lose, technically then didn't make the playoffs. So, and this is where this makes sense to me. So those teams would then technically be in the draft lottery. And, And that makes sense to me, because if your intent is to try and preserve as many things from the original season format that you can, that makes sense. You would just say, okay, well, you know, 16 teams made the playoffs. So now we have 15 teams in the draft lottery. That's, that's fine. The way they're doing it, though, is needlessly complicated for one reason. They essentially are already planning on there being potentially two draft lotteries, which doesn't make sense. Let me explain the plan if you haven't heard it. Essentially, this, the, they will do a draft lottery the same as they always would, but since we won't know who lost the plan series yet... There will just be placeholders for those remaining teams. At that point, they will do the draft lottery. If only teams in the top seven, who are the, the seven highest odds, if they fill those top three slots, great, we don't have to do anything else. The teams that lose will just slot in underneath, no big deal. But if one of those placeholder picks that we don't know who loses a round yet in the play-in series gets a top three pick, then we will have a second draft lottery at a later date to determine which of the play-in losers gets that pick. Theoretically, play-in round losers could get all three of those picks, and then we don't know until this somehow second draft who's going to get in. Now there's a good reason for doing it that way. One is, you know, I I mean, if you don't, if you didn't make the playoffs, you get a chance in the draft lottery. Now it's going to be pretty small, but you still get a chance. My idea is why not just wait till the play-in round is over? And then as an event between the play-in round and the regular playoffs, then you do the draft lottery. So you don't have to do this weird, goofy doing it twice. You just do it once. It's not hard. I don't know why you wouldn't do that. But that's the general plan. Other than the draft lottery goofiness, it's not the worst plan. Again, I've said where I think you could do it better, but it's not the worst. I I just, I think some parts of it are needlessly complicated. And I think there's games left on the table to do that round robin. But that's just me. Uh, Second thing I want to get to, NHL players' Phase 3 of return to play won't happen until at least July 10th. Phase three is essentially training camp. Um, right now, we're about to enter stage two from what we can tell. Uh, that's going to happen sometime maybe in the next week or two, depending on how everything goes with, with the coronavirus. And that will be players being able to return to the practice facilities and starting to practice in, in small groups. So that's where we're at. Um, now this phase three after that, phase four, will then actually go into when play resumes. Now, I heard an interesting interview with with Nick Foligno uh, on uh, the Two Man Advantage podcast from The Athletic. And he voiced issues with, you know, if somebody tells him he's not going to get to see his family for a couple of months, that's not going to sit well with him. And I get that. That makes a lot of sense. So there's things like that that still need to be worked out. So even though you're starting to see tentative dates and you're starting to see ideas on what's going to happen, don't fall in love with anything yet. Because things could still change. And I also want to echo echo sentiments I have said. Probably on this show. I know I've said them on Twitter. Pierre LeBron said them on his show on 2-Man on Advantage. A lot of people are out there saying. This is stupid. Why do you return to play at all? Just cancel everything. And just start next season like normal in October. That isn't happening. Next season will not start in October. Why? Gary Bettman has made it very clear. That they don't want to start the next season until they can have fans back in the stands. That probably isn't happening unless either we get a huge hold on this disease and we're getting almost, you know, very few transmissions, and we're able to, you know, it's not that big a deal anymore. Or when there is a vaccine. That's probably not happening by October. I would be stunned out of my mind. So The earliest the season probably next season is starting is December. Gary Bettman apparently has joked about why can't we start next season with the Winter Classic, so January 1st. Then he's saying a full season. I don't know how you do that uh, unless you ridiculously condense it. It wouldn't shock me to see the NHL do something like, hey, no All-Star break, no bye weeks, and we're just going to do like a 70-game season from January and wrap up the Stanley Cup in, you know, into July, and then the next season will be normal after that. I mean, that's really where we're at, folks. At this point, the coronavirus isn't just going to mess up one season. It will mess up two. And that's just what we've got to live with. So just prepare your brain for that now. That's where we're going. So we've got some tentative dates. Things might happen. Things might not happen. We'll see where it goes. Um, The other story that uh, affected the Blue Jackets this week and I didn't have it up here but I want to grab it a player who looked like he might have been coming to Columbus next season from Russia will not be coming Um, trying to remember the name that we were looking at there I'm going to pull up Horseline's Twitter, because I know he had it on there relatively recently. For those of you who are not doing the video version of the show, I'm, I'm pulling stuff up and I'm just trying to remember where it was. Uh, here it is. Uh, the agent for prospect, uh, Dmitry Varankov, confirms Varankov has signed a two-year contract extension to remain in Russia through 2022-23. He had planned to come to North America in 21. Uh So not next season, the season after that. Vronkov's extension was first reported, best I can tell, by at H-C-A-K-B-A-R-S. Um, barring further changes, this means prospect Kirill Marchenko will arrive one year before Vronkov not after. Uh, the idea on Vronkov on, uh, is he's a center, um, and the best comparison he's been given so far is kind of a Boone-Jenner type, where he's got a lot of drive, he works hard, um, I mean, he's got... Sufficient skill to be a National Hockey League center, but we've all seen Boone Jenner. He is at best a second line center when he's playing his best. He's a third line center normally, sometimes winger, that sort of thing. So it's a it's a it's a blow, and you gotta think it's probably something as a result of the coronavirus. Because right now Russia shut down their league for the year. They're saying they're planning on starting next season on time. With the NHL saying they don't know when that's happening. I can understand why someone would say, you know what? Things are up in the air. Things are crazy. Yeah, I'll just take two more years to stay here in Russia. Because I know next season is going to be messed up. And and the season after that might even be too. So I'm just going to hang tight and I can kind of get that thinking on this. All right. Two other issues I wanted to get into on today's show. And this is where things are going to get uh, a little more real. Um Nothing anyone wants to... No, no subjects that people like talking about, but I feel like have to be talked about. Mike Camito, uh, who on Twitter does a lot of stuff about hockey history, he put up a little piece, uh, not even a piece, just a tweet with some screenshots attached. Uh, the ISS Hockey released their top prospects, been highlighting prospects all month. In the tweets... The thing that has been pointed out is that only one player was given an overtly negative description. It is Quentin Quinton Byfield. The description for him was uh, ranked fourth overall. Quinton Byfield. So fourth overall pick in the NHL draft. Another mediocre performance effort-wise away from the puck. He played wing and it showed. When he had the puck, he wanted to take control of the game, but when he didn't, he wasn't engaged. Other players... Stephen Halliday, willing to go into the corners in front of the net, sees the ice well, has a nose for the net. Got rewarded for going to the net by getting a power play goal in the first period. Then ended up being the winner. I like this player. Uh, Noel Gunler has played mostly at pro level this season. Biggest asset is his play making ability, but he also got a quick accurate wrist. Sh- He's also got a quick accurate wrist shot. Good skater with receiving speed and open ice. Good vision and isn't afraid to challenge you one on one. Tim Stoltze dynamic player, fun to watch when he has the puck on his stick, looks bigger and faster than less viewing. He is an explosive skater that has another gear when he needs it. When he has the puck, he wants to make great things happen. People also notice that Quentin Byfield is the only player who had essentially just a picture of his face as opposed to uh, a picture of him actually playing. And suffice it to say, Quentin Byfield is one of the, few pl- is the players highlighted who is black. Um... This... For mo- for the most part, the way this has been described is... It was either... This is at its best... In the best case scenario, it's... A, uh, a terrible oversight. Probably with some unintended bias in place. At worst... It's overtly racist. Um... I mean, yeah, they didn't use a slur, but when you describe everybody positively and then you describe the black guy negatively, that doesn't look good. Uh, I, this led to me having a conversation with someone about how we we have these terms in sports. The ways, the language we use in sports has always been racially charged. I, I mean, if I'm talking about a basketball player and I say he's scrappy, yeah, I've only I, when I when you watch sports, that's only ever used to describe white players. When You talk about athletic. Gifted, they use that to describe African American players. Um, you almost never hear. I mean, at least in the last few years, maybe it's got it's gotten a little better as people have been knowledgeable of this. But it, these are things that exist in, in sports. Um, we talked about it on last week's show with with a loose piece on on the on the on uh, the Players Tribune that these attitudes exist in hockey and. And these attitudes exist a lot of places. And that, that's the final thing I have to get to tonight. Um, unless you have been avoiding all news, you are aware of the, I'm going to use the phrase, uh, murder of George Floyd in Minnesota at the hands of police officers. And that it has led to widespread protests, which then devolved into riots in cities all across this country. first thing I want to say is it's been interesting to see that this looks like it is the event that is broken the seal for NHL players speaking out on more social issues Um, today was the first one I saw from a Blue Jackets player where Seth Jones retweeted uh, something P. Gay Sasuban had put up which was a quote from Tupac Shakur saying it's not black against white when I say we it's the good against the evil and and I saw some people kind of decrying this in the bat and in their the replies, like it was something like he said something wrong in that. I mean, the way I read it is that it's very much a: you are either against racism or you are quietly complicit with it. If you're not saying something about it, you are just like, okay, well, it doesn't affect me, so I'm not going to worry about it. And we've seen more players: uh, Blake Wheeler, Anze Kopitar. At this point, you can go through Twitter and start finding them, and it's not a critical mass of players at this point by any means. But we are seeing more hockey players speak out on something like this than I have seen at any point in the past. And a lot of players, I mean, the National Hockey League being the one of the only of the four major sports in America that is predominantly white, it, I, I I struggle to say some of these things because I understand that. You know, the the ability to not speak on something like this is, in a way, its own... I'm going to use a word that will make a lot of people upset, but it, in a way, it's its own privilege. To just be like, eh, well, it doesn't affect me, so I don't want to talk about it. It's not really my place to say anything. But the other side of that that I understand a bit is... If you're white, if you've never experienced racism, if you've never experienced... You know, if you've you, you you have a hard time saying, well, what am I gonna say? It's not. I haven't experienced it. I don't have an additional thing to say, but there is something powerful and something good about the the the, the white players coming out and saying, you know what? I don't even fully understand. I I don't I don't understand what what black people go through in this, but I'm on the side of ending. Racism on the side of of whatever is bringing cause to this, we need to end it. And and I get that, and that's 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 what I mean. If you follow me on Twitter, you see fully that's where I'm at. I am, I you know, obviously I think it's I think it's a silly thing to have to say, but apparently we have to say at this point. Yes, riots are bad. I mean, there there seems to be this false dichotomy out there that if you think what they're protesting is something worthy of protest. That all of a sudden you're okay with riots, which isn't true. I mean, destruction of property is bad, it's damaging, and there's the concern that it can lead to more damage to human beings on top of just property. But at the same time, I will contend with more vigor, much more, the loss of human life at the hands of uh, a whole system that doesn't seem too worried about fixing that problem and I, again this isn't a political show i don't talk about politics a lot on here the thing is to me this doesn't feel overtly political cuz i think anyone can watch that video of that that man getting killed in minnesota george floyd or yeah george floyd and that's not political that was just wrong i mean if that was me if that was my brother if that was a a friend of mine i mean i would look at that and be like wait you you were getting him for what You thought he had a forged bill on him? And that was the action? Four men holding him down, or three men holding him down, one with their knee on his neck while everybody else, while one guy stood there and just kind of, I guess, tried to direct people away? I mean, that's crazy. And the reason there's a big deal is we have video of it. I mean, just imagine in the world before the internet how many things happened without video that that nobody saw. I mean, so this is... It's awful. It's a terrible thing. I mean, I can't imagine if that was my reality, that I was concerned that if someone just called the police and said, oh, this guy might have something, that that would be what would happen to me. If I, especially when you don't have when you haven't done anything. I mean, as long as the guy was running around with a gun yelling at people or anything. So it, it again, I'm not going to get too much into it, but it, it just, the, the reason I'm comfortable talking about it on this show is it doesn't seem political to me. It, it seems very straightforward. You can believe, you can say, I am for ending racism. I am for trying to end the 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 complicit. I, I'm for ending the idea that that if a uh, someone in authority does something against someone of color, that people just look the other way. I mean, again, riots are bad, but. <laughs> I mean, the man didn't get arrested until they'd burned down a police station. How crazy is that? That that has to be how loud you cry for justice. It, it's bizarre to me, and I, I hate it. It's a terrible thing with this whole... Co- I mean, it, I, me and my wife, we have watched some of these riots on TV. We've been following things on Twitter. We're in a relatively small town, so I mean, it's not like there's been protests in our town on what's happening. But there's just this... In the last week has felt longer than the whole coronavirus thing already it feels like so i i i i would encourage any of you to to speak up or hey if you have questions or if you have things you want to ask me about or i again not that i'm an authority on this i mean i'm just a guy who thinks it should end but if you have questions for me about why i think what i do at shoot once pod on Twitter. My DMs are open. Ask me questions. Um, there's lots of much more qualified people to talk to about this. But if you're comfortable with me because you hear me talk about hockey, definitely feel free to ask me what, 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 what I, why I think what I think. I, I'm, and again, this isn't a, a, I mean, I get why hockey players are somewhat hesitant because everything's so politicized anymore, but this isn't. An issue of whether you think we should tax the wealthy more, whether there should be less regulation in manufacturing, or whether you think, you know, we should keep more military bases open overseas, or, or, you know, the the, the role of national parks, or whatever. I mean, it's not any of that stuff. This is pretty straightforward stuff. So that, that's why I stand where I stand on it. That's why I'm very fascinated to see both players and teams putting out official statements about this stuff. Um, and I find it interesting and, and worthy of, of discussion acknowledgement and, and and not just being silent on an issue like that so thank you all for listening um, going forward with shows you know I, we're going to try and keep doing shows weekly because it's there, there's there's still hockey stuff going on in a way but but you know it depends on how much is actually going on with stuff so thank you very much for listening and go jackets <laughs> This has been the Shoot Ones Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Shoot